my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemy, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the, of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Thus ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Francis. In two weeks, we will begin our celebration of the season of Advent, where we will adventure through the themes of hope, love, joy, and peace as we move toward Christmastide. Today, in the Song of Hannah, we find a prototype of the Magnificat in Luke chapter 1. Hannah's song is more than just the prayer of a woman who deeply desires a child. This prayer is a symbol of the power of God and the power of God's anointed. Hannah was one of two wives of a Jewish man named Elkanah. The other wife, Peninnah, had children, but Hannah was barren. The Bible's account of Hannah starts before Samuel was born. One year, Hannah traveled to Shiloh where the tabernacle was. At the entrance of the tabernacle, she prayed for a child. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. This is what is known as the Nazarite vow, which the mothers of Samuel, Samson, and John the Baptist took on their behalf in the biblical text. Others would have chosen the vow at a later point in their lives. 
So the priest Eli saw Hannah praying intensely but silently and thought she was drunk. Because of that, he rebuked her. Once Hannah explained that she was praying, the the priest instead blessed her and asked God to grant her request of a son. She returned home and was able to conceive. Hannah bore a son and named him Samuel, which means, I have asked for him from the Lord. Once Samuel was weaned, traditionally between two and five years of age, Hannah and Samuel traveled to Shiloh, taking a sacrifice with them. After the sacrifice was offered, Hannah presented the young Samuel to Eli and said, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I have asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. Chapter 1 concludes with Samuel worshiping God at the tabernacle. Chapter 2 is where today's text begins. As Hannah leaves her baby boy with Eli, the high priest, she prays thusly, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Anyone who has raised a child knows that loving a child is a miraculous thing. Watching children get older and grow into whomever they will become is likewise miraculous. Hannah had believed she would remain child-free which in her community meant she was judged as being less than whole. The woman who had been called barren now bore a son. Hannah's song praises the God, excuse me, who works deliverance through extraordinary circumstances. Hannah's song begins with her joy, her heart exulting, her strength exulting in her God. God is her victory. God is her rock. And in her joy, Hannah is able to affirm the greatness of God. The text goes on. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. The song moves quickly from the personal to the communal. Why this move? This action, this child, given on God's part, is a microcosmic glimpse into the macrocosmic power of the holy. The one who is Hannah's rock also saves the whole nation of Israel with provision and a future. In fact, if we read this prayer only on the level of the personal, it may strike us as over the top or even arrogant. Read communally, however, the language of victory celebrates 
and magnifies what the birth of Samuel means for the whole community, that the God of Israel stands for the excluded and oppressed. In this way, the power of God's anointed is the power of Hannah herself, the one who has been brought back into the fullness of community in her new role as Samuel's mother. Kate Foster Connors writes, the victory in Hannah's song does not go to the one with the most military might. The victory goes to God, who stands with and lifts up the people who are most marginal and left out of society. God's gift of a son for Hannah is not only a cause for Hannah's personal celebration. Samuel's birth has become a cause for all of Israel to celebrate because, as Walter Brueggemann writes, the birth is not a private wonder, but a gift of possibility for all of Israel. As her prayer grows more exuberant, we sense that Hannah is celebrating a deliverance that encompasses the whole of the covenant people. The song concludes, He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. At the end of her song, Hannah praises how God works deliverance through extraordinary circumstances. Not by might does one prevail, she sings, for she knows personally the divine power to work beyond the reach of ordinary human expectations. God has exalted Hannah's power to prevail and will do the same for Israel. In her uniquely female voice, Hannah lifts up and celebrates a compelling vision of hope for her community. In the end, she notes how the holy sets a model for human leadership in God's power and compassion. Unfortunately, human leaders struggle to live up to the job descriptions given here. The story that follows in 1 Samuel is a prime example of such. After her prayer and thanksgiving, Hannah returns home. It is then revealed that Eli's sons are wicked who did evil in the, temp in the temple. In contrast, Samuel was ministering before the Lord. Hannah got to see her son at least once per year when she and her husband went to offer a sacrifice. She would always take along a little robe she made for her son. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. Hannah's story ends with an answer to Eli's prayer. At the end of chapter 2, the text says, The Lord was gracious to Hannah, and she gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Samuel would go on to become the spiritual leader of Israel. As prophet and judge of the nation, Samuel would anoint Israel's first two kings, Saul and David. Israel would become great. So this celebration of a God who broke through hierarchies of wealth, military might, and social power was realized in the nation's future history. But how do we, in a nation perceived by so many others as the oppressor, stand for the marginalized? How do we, who enjoy much privilege based entirely on unearned factors like whiteness, 
see through God's eyes, to stand with those who lack such privilege? How do we, who follow a God whose reign radically reorders the world around us, choose to partner with God and bring heaven to earth? The power of God's anointed has much to do with the seemingly impossible. It seems impossible that a mother could give up her beloved son to keep a commitment to God, but she did. It seems impossible that the world could look different than it does now, but Israel came into peace and prosperity as Hannah declared they would. It seems impossible that we, who are also called God's anointed, could make any real difference. But this story shows us that one person and one life can radically reorient a nation. When you partner with God, the vision of God is made manifest right where you are. In the power of God's anointing, then, make truth and justice, hope and kindness real here and now.